0: This is Roy's Rocket Radio episode 188 recorded on Sunday the 3rd of September 2017 at 11 o'clock in the morning. Hello again. You are tuned into Roy's Rocket Radio, the UK podcast for the pop culture geek, technology nerd and creative media wizard. This is your weekly dose of personal geek, from an ex, lots of things actually, but mainly now a journalist and a writer. First of all, let me apologise for a few missed shows. My excuse is that there has been a good reason that I'm not prepared to talk about just yet. But you can see that I have been busy, as is evidenced by my lack of any real online presence in the last few weeks. So, partly or rather mainly, it has to do with work. But since I am a creative and this is a podcast for creatives as well as fans, I'll let you know what's going on in greater detail when there's something more substantial to report. Sorry if I'm being a bit enigmatic. It's not deliberate. Actually, on that subject, on creatives and creativity, it's important, especially if you are new to the show, that you know that this podcast tries to go a little further than the usual geek cast. For example, I want to know what an Apple box is for, which is something I only recently found out, and it's to do with filming. Or why would you use Super 16mm film? Or what SDK or engine was used in a particular video game? Or how to be a better journalist? Or how to be a better author? Or a better scriptwriter? Or a better producer? There is also a lot of stuff about writing, because that is my main thing. That means if you want to dive a bit deeper into your favourite geekly things, then this is the podcast for you. Still, it is Sunday, and despite the gap in the shows, despite the recent global environmental chaos, Despite North Korean and American nuclear brinkmanship, with late-breaking news, today's fun, fun news of North Korea claiming the successful detonation of a hydrogen device. Oh, whoopee! And the threat of invasion from Alpha Centauri. Okay, I made that one up, or did I? And the fact that we missed talking about Google I.O., which had lots of stuff about Google Assistant and Home, Sorry, I just nodded off there. And the amazing solar eclipse, for American listeners at least, who hopefully have not been struck blind by buying and using those fake eclipse viewing glasses that have been circulating. Yes, despite all those dramatic missed events. This is still most definitely Roy's rocket radio. I'm back and you can stick that in your earbuds. W. Let's start with some TV. Game of Thrones. Okay, so season 7, the finale hit last week, and we did not talk about it because I was not doing a podcast. And thus, has HBO's Cash Machine Game of Thrones ended its penultimate season. Ice Dragon deployed! Littlefinger terminated! The Invasion of the Whites has begun, and that's it. And no more knee bending until next year and the final season of Game of Thrones. In the last episode, the Night King riding an ice dragon was cool, but I think still nowhere near the pinnacle of cool that was giants riding mammoths. Do you remember that? I still can't help shouting, Giants riding mammoths! Any chance I get. And now it's stuck in my head like a horrendous earworm. Giants riding mammoths. Giants Riding Mammoths. Stop it, Roy. Giants Riding Mammoths. And though I have heard that there might be a spin-off series, after next year's final season, I will be totally done with Game of Thrones for all time. Next, Ozark 2017. The Netflix show about a crooked... Drugs Cartel accountant, played by Jason Bateman, who is caught skimming from his employers, a highly unhealthy thing to do, is given a month to prove he can be an effective money launderer or else. The show has been compared to Breaking Bad, but it feels to me more like Better Call Saul and also is a very concise, instructive and comprehensive crash course for money laundering. That is, there is a section in the show which could well be called Money Laundering for Dummies. I think it's an impressive show. The problem is I just don't like any of the characters and could not care Less about their continued survival. Peter Mullen plays. Okay, he plays Peter Mullen, albeit in a foreign accent. Come on, man, try doing something else. <laughs> Next, The Defenders 2017. This is a new show from Netflix. It's a mini series. It's a TV-only team-up of Marvel's The Defenders. And I say TV-only because I remember The Defenders comic book and I don't think that these superheroes, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage and Iron Fist, were in any of the comic book teams. It Doesn't look that bad from the trailers, but I haven't really got stuck in as there is just too much TV at the moment. And as I said at the top of the show, I have been busy. My advice is don't rush to box set all these shows. Just take it slow because you'll want to have something to keep you warm once the geek renaissance comes to an end. I just gave myself the shivers because for me, that is the real Nightmare Apocalypse scenario. Forget about Nuclear Armageddon. It's the day that Geek becomes uncool again. Did you feel that cool breeze? Next, Mr. Mercedes, another new show for this year. This is from AT&T Originals. It is an adaptation of Stephen King's horror slash detective procedural from 2014. It is unusual in that, as far as my memory tells me, this is the first of King's stories I can remember where the cop is the protagonist and the good guy and the geek is the bad guy. From what I remember of a lot of King, the geek usually is a good guy, so he's flipped things around this time. Brendan Gleeson is great as beaten-up, aging Irish émigré, Sherman tank of a cop trying to solve the mass killing that ended his career. The method of killing may unsettle some, as it is the same method employed by a lot of unpleasant groups over the last year. Regarding Gleason's acting, as I said about Peter Mullen, he is hardly stretching himself. He plays these characters all the time. But it is a joy to watch him playing this particular character. And I think it is one of the better adaptations of Stephen King's works. Next, The Sinner from the USA Network. This show kept me guessing until halfway through the second episode. So, (laughs) despite that not bad, Jessica Biel plays a housewife who randomly murders a stranger, and we find out later she has gaps in her memory hence the suspense. There are lots of themes going on here, including impulse murder, date rape, sexual slavery, a really fascinating detective played by Bill Pullman, who always plays fascinating characters, unless he's playing the president, but really quite boring, as in Independence Day, and also features a very, very nasty surrogate relationship so there is lots of stuff to get stuck into the plot now as i have already said thematically it's very interesting but they give the game away around halfway through the second episode and unless something really weird happens then it's going to be a bit of a disappointment although Although recently I was thinking about how a plot that is complex but also fairly obvious could be turned on its head to surprise the viewer. Do you know what I mean by that? When you think you know what's happening but really you don't. A relevant example could be a film like Memento from 2000, which is almost a masterclass in making the audience feel wrong-footed. And also could be compared to The Sinner, because it is to do with the unreliability of memory. So maybe I'm judging the show a bit too harshly. Next, the OA. Produced by Brad Pitt's Plan B Entertainment and Anonymous Content and distributed by Netflix again. This was co-created and written by Britt Marlin, who also stars in it, and Zal Batman Glitch. It's got Batman in it. I mean, how cool is that? Anyway, back to the show. Enough focusing on trivialities. This is a reality-bending, multi-genre, mystery, horror, fantasy, sci-fi, thriller. Now, imagine that was a novel and you tried to get a literary agent interested and they were thinking, where on the shelf am I going to put this? And then you would never hear from them again. Well, obviously it didn't happen in this case because the show got made which tells you something. It tells you that literary agents should perhaps be a little more flexible and start looking into multi-genre books, just like TV seems to be doing. One thing I did notice by digging a little deeper into Britt Marling and Zal Batmanglage's background is that the OA is based loosely around a cult-like group led by Marling, and thus seems clearly influenced by Marling and Batman-Glidge's earlier work, Sound of My Voice from 2012, a film that I didn't see. In the OA, Brit Marling goes missing and is found after a suicide attempt, years later. She is badly scarred when she is found, seemingly suffering from amnesia. Hey, that sounds a bit like the sinner, but it isn't really. Possibly psychotic, and now calls herself the OA. Yes, the letters, OA. I think this show is very well acted, considering that certain aspects central to the plot could have descended into farce, and you'll see what I mean if you watch this, had not the actors had the acting chops to really sell the premise. As you can probably gather from my comments about The Sinner, where I guessed what was going on fairly early on. I am very rarely stymied by plot, but this one kept me mostly guessing a few episodes longer than The Sinner. And that was the, O a a multi-genre thriller, very intriguing from 2016. Next, Luke Cage, 2017, another Netflix show. This one is a good solid crime drama, which is odd because from the reviews and the trailers, it looked utter pants and I thought it would be pants, but it actually isn't. And next, Iron Fist, another show from 2017. And also, like Luke Cage, another member of the Defenders. And I think this Netflix show is passable. Again, not as bad as critics have made out. But perhaps partly the reason for it being panned has more to do with the understandable debate Something I talk about a lot in this podcast because I am a brown guy and even though I am an Asian of a different kind, not using an Asian actor to play a martial arts superhero is, I can understand, annoying. The argument was that the character was white in the comics but such a minor character, much more so than Nick Fury, who was also changed from a white guy to a black guy. So why not do this again and make him an Asian character? I don't know the answer to that. And unfortunately, the actor who plays Iron Fist, Finn Jones, did not make any friends with his frankly naive statement on the show's lack of diversity in casting of the main character. Yes, there are plenty of secondary diverse characters, but so what? It's 2017, and we want to be in the driving seat for a change. Next, The State from 2017. This is a Channel 4 show. Something rare in this podcast is to find something actually made in the UK. This is one of them. This is Peter Kosminski's drama about young British Muslims going off to Syria to join ISIS. To say that this has stirred up controversy is an understatement. Until you see that... It is the usual clickbait in print form, tabloids the Daily Mail and The Sun that have mostly moaned about this. Actually, it's very good and very well researched, especially from a UK point of view. It also feels a lot like a real life version of The Handmaid's Tale. The characters POV, the music, the tone, the filming, all of it are obviously meant to make you see things from their viewpoint, and even disturbingly empathize, even if you don't agree with them. And I think that's a really brave move by Kozminski. My problem with it is that you don't see how the characters became radicalised in the first place. Another problem is that the filmmaker took the bait dangled by his critics and went on the defensive, which, of course, plays right into their hands. What he should have done was kept his cool, kept his mouth generally shut and just let the art speak for itself. Also, I have read some of the interviews with Kosminski, where he admits his ignorance as a middle-class, middle-aged white guy to not fully understand the experience of being poor, young, working-class Muslim, and in Britain today, as a catalyst for radicalization. So, maybe that's the reason the show starts off after this point. The drama, if you haven't seen it already because you are not in the UK, looks like it will be syndicated absolutely everywhere. So, if you are in the US, and my chat about this show has piqued your interest, you will be able to watch it at some point. And If you are in the US, because I know a lot of listeners are, it would be nice to know what you think of this show. And that was The State. The next show I wanted to talk about was Manhunt, Unabomber. This is a show on the Discovery Channel, in which Sam Worthington plays real-life character, James R. Fitzgerald, who is the FBI profiler who helped catch Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, played amazingly by Paul Bettany. It's okay, I think. But after having heard the real James R. Fitzgerald on Terry Gross's NPR show Fresh Air, I'm guessing that huge liberties were taken in dramatising what really happened, and listening to that interview has put me off this show a little. And finally, the last show that I wanted to talk about today is Halt and Catch Fire from AMC. This is the latest season, season four, and it is an absolutely excellent retro-computing drama. It charts the course of the Silicon Age, and this is one of those shows you just can't miss, especially if you are a tech nerd like I am. If you are following the show, well, guess what? Yes, it's Joe and Cameron again. What's up with that? Although the show really isn't mainly about Joe anymore, as it was, in the first season, there is something really fascinating about how his character has been written. I think it's fairly obvious that for the writers of the show, they have the most fun (laughs) with Joe, a very versatile and peculiar character. Okay, and back to the show. In this season, we are now at the beginning of the internet age and the early browser wars, and then the search engine wars. And that's it for shows this week. Just had a couple of comments on a few things, and then we'll move on to movies. Let's start with The Sinner and The OA, which are both great shows. Apart from a trend I have noticed of using pretty young white women as the protagonist. Actually, I could name other shows that do this too. And it is great that diversity now includes female protagonist leads, For example, Doctor Who. And not just white males, but showrunners. You must try harder now. I want to see protagonists who are not white. Sure, Luke Cage. But also, what about disabilities? Make an effort. The other thing that I've noticed, and this isn't particularly new, is the sheer number of British actors playing the leads in US shows. It is amazing. For example, going back to Iron Fist, not only is the lead a British actor, so is the secondary character and love interest. Amazing. We are just filling up the ranks of American shows. And finally, last observation of all the shows that I have previously mentioned. My favourite, and currently still running, is Halt and Catch Fire. That is my recommended view. Tell me what you think. Watch an episode or two and get in touch. Okay, that's it for... TV this week, let's talk about some movies. First, The Lost City of Zed from 2016. This is based on a true and incredible mystery about a lost city in the Amazon and an explorer's adventure to find it with a background in cartography, historical research and exploration, and an obsession with films like the Indiana Jones series. I am the poster child target demographic for this film, and guess what? I gave up after half an hour. Oh, the acting seems off, really off. The story, which should be amazing, seems mired in drudgery and boredom, and the thing that really stopped me watching was one particular scene which was ripped right out of Werner Herzog's Aguirre the Wrath of God from 1972. I think that was the point where I just gave up. I think I know what went wrong It is to do, perhaps, with the delicate balance between telling the truth of what happened, because this is a true story, versus making a good film. Disappointing overall, but if you are still interested, here are a few articles you might like that I have found when I was doing a little background reading into the factual story behind the film. One is from the New Yorker magazine and the other is from the National Geographic channel. If you're interested, just go and download my show notes and you'll find those articles. But I'll just mention the title of the articles just in case you want to Google them instead of actually read my show notes, which is a pity and your loss. But the first is The Lost City of Zed, colon, A Quest to Uncover the Secrets of the Amazon. The next is just called Famous Lost Cities. Okay, next we shall talk about... Da, 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 the fate of the furious 2017 in this charlie's Teron is a psychopathic hacker who ensnares vin diesel and this means the rock and vin diesel's team have to come to the rescue and it is utter rubbish even with the wonderful charlie's thrown in as fan service to Nerd Hacker Boys, well, like me actually, it is terrible. But, there's always a but isn't there? It is worth it just to see a nuclear submarine in a car chase. I think in one of the previous films, probably the film before this, it was a jumbo jet in a car chase, but this time it's a nuclear submarine. I wonder what it's gonna be in the next film. Probably the planet Mars steered with rockets comes after Vin Diesel. I think Vin Diesel could probably take out the planet Mars with a well aimed nut. Next, The Space Between Us, 2017. In this, a Martian boy goes to Earth to find his father and falls in love. This is forgettable teenage pap, not as bad as The Fate of the Furious though, and well acted by Azza Butterfield, who played Ender Wiggin in Ender's Game from 2013. Another British actor. Unfortunately, there is No discernible chemistry between him and his co-romantic lead. None. Next, we have Dave Made a Maze from 2017. This is a low-budget movie about a struggling artist who makes a cardboard fort in his living room which is bigger on the inside. A promising premise then let down mainly by the acting and, to a lesser extent, the script, particularly the dialogue. I managed half an hour before giving up, and I am sorry because I think it's important to encourage small low budget films, but this one could have done with a little more work on the writing, and a lot more practice and rehearsals with the acting. Sorry. And that was Dave May Mayer's 2017. In this, a right-wing separatist militia begins an insurgency campaign in ethno-diverse cities in order to force the U.S. Congress to allow their southern states to cede from the Union. Well, this is a fairly timely theme, shoved into a John Carpenter-esque romp, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. A streak of surprising nihilism raises it above a mere Red Dawn-ish 80s copycat flick. In the film, the incongruity is intentionally funny. For example, the street gangs, the suited and hatted Orthodox Jews, and even a team of lacrosse players armed with lacrosse sticks confront the bad guys. Again, Dave Bautista as a secondary character, like in his portrayal of Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy, gets a lot of camera time and proves he is a great actor. I would recommend this film. It is enjoyable in a stomach-churning and unpleasant manner, which will make sense when you see it but let's leave that for now and go on to morgan from 2016. in this kate mara is lee weathers a risk management specialist who manages risk with extreme prejudice and is sent to investigate a problem with one of her company's biological assets. In this case, an artificial life form called Morgan who looks just like a teenage girl. This film feels a bit like a cranked up action horror version of something like Ex Machina from 2015, but not quite as memorable. Not a bad film but not a great film and eclipsed by so many other films that many of you may not have seen it. But not a total loss either and that is Morgan from 2016. Oh, I am running out of juice now. This has been a long podcast for me. But we are near the end and the last film to talk about This week is Despicable Me 3 from 2017. This is less offensive than Despicable Me 2. And if you want to know why I thought it was offensive, you'll have to rewind to an earlier podcast. But basically, I thought it was incredibly racist. But also not as good as the first Despicable Me movie or the Minions standalone movie. If I was forced to find something great about this movie, I think that the Minions secondary plot is the best thing in this film. So again, not terrible, but not fantastic, and best for the Minions. And that is it for films this week. I just have one more thing to talk about and we're done. I did manage to find a really useful article for journalists who have the unenviable and constant task of pitching to editors, which is never any fun. The article is called, How to Pitch Articles to Editors. And if you type that into Google, you will find the Guardian article, but I have also put the hyperlink in the show notes if you can be bothered to read them. And with that last semi-grump, that is the end of the show this week. How to find me? You can find my business site easily. It is RoyMartha.com. That is R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R.com. My blog, which is a hideous mess, but I am trying to fix it, is Roymarthur.wordpress.com. Roymathur.wordpress.com. I am on Twitter. My Twitter handle is amazingly at Roy Martha. At R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R. Now, I've repeated my name about a million times now, so you should remember it. On Twitter, I also use a few hashtags. One for the show. Royce Rocket Radio or one word. Another for my semi-regular moans, and that is Technobilge T E C H N O B I L G E. See what I did there? I mixed my interest in tech with my interest in sailing and my constant and Even annoying to me moans. And finally, there is a hashtag, Villainy Prevails. I don't have to spell that out. And that is the captain's own hashtag. Yes, if you didn't know, there is someone called the captain who I claimed was the presenter of this podcast, somewhat embarrassingly. That. I am a geek. What do you expect? Okay, there are other links. There are many links to just about every bit of social media you can think of, and they are available via my blog. That was roymartha.wordpress.com. If you like the show, please tell someone about the show. Someone you like. Say... This is a really excellent show. You should listen to it. If you don't like the show, if you slightly hate the show, if you despise the show, tell someone you don't like about Roy's Rocket Radio, and then they won't thank you about it, and then they'll be upset and slightly sad, and you'll have helped me and you'll have helped yourself in a very negative, Sith-like manner. And that's it, please review the show in iTunes. I cannot emphasize this enough and no one actually does it, so I don't even know why I'm saying it now, but please, if you can find it in your heart to review the show in iTunes, that would be an immense help. Even more than sending me a suitcase of money. Well, you know, actually, I take that back. If it's about a million pounds, then I'll take the suitcase of money. But if it's any less than a million pounds of revenue in iTunes, please. And that is it. This was Roy's Rocket Radio, episode 188, recorded on Sunday, the 3rd of September, 2017. And the time at the end of the show is 11.00. 56 and 12 seconds in the morning. Enjoy the rest of your day and bye for now. Bye.